Appreciate the good singing. Amen? Amen. Let's take our Bibles now and turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter number one. And uh, remind me, I got an announcement to make after I get done preaching. So uh, I'm saying that. I'm saying that so I'll remember. The gospel according to Mark. We, uh, a week before I went on vacation, we uh, gave an introduction. And you know, we're going to start tonight. This, it's going to be a long journey, a long journey, preaching through the book of Mark. And uh, we want it to be led of God. We want it to be uh, led of His Spirit, His guidance, His Word. And uh, as I mentioned, we'll, uh, we'll take breaks as God, as God leads us. And, and uh, He can interrupt us our lives at any time. Amen. The Lord can interrupt our lives at any time. And always think of that. He has the authority, the right to do so. So we're going to leave that up to him. I appreciate that. I know a man who can, don't you? Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. Um, I appreciate, I want to say this, I appreciate the good work that our assistant pastor's been doing. Uh, he's, uh, he's really, really been a blessing to our church. Amen. We thank God for that. Uh, he's, he's doing things that, uh, that, uh, that I find out even later. And I appreciate that. And you know what that means, don't you? It means that he's just serving the Lord. That's what it means. I appreciate that. I'm thankful for that. And uh, it's been a great help. And I want to tell you, too, you know, sometimes the, uh, the visit you get from, from the, the pastors might be Jason. It might not be me. The phone call might be from Jason sometimes and not be from me. And remember, the point of that was that because the work was getting, uh, it was getting, it was too much. It was beginning to be too much. Uh, just last week, uh, if you don't know it, I come back from vacation. Then a friend of mine, and a friend of mine passed away. Uh, uh, my my friend's brother passed away, which I, he was a friend of mine too. And had to do a funeral and the graveside. And on my way from the graveside, they had to make two more phone calls. And uh, then, uh, if you're like me, oh, I forgot I had to make had to make another one. And, but I appreciate the good work our pastor's doing. Um, he served the Lord. It's a blessing to our church. Amen. Amen. We thank God for that. And you pray for him, okay? Pray for him because as he grows and as, our, as his ministry grows, which is the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as his ministry grows, the Lord's ministry grows. And uh, his kingdom grows. And that's what we want. We want, we want, uh, we want the ministry of the gospel to, uh, to grow and expand we're thankful, amen, for what God is doing in our church. And uh, I noticed the, uh, a lot of the old-time preachers are passing away. Uh, I'm getting phone calls now from people who would have called on them. And I'm getting, uh, I even counseled a couple on a speakerphone a few weeks ago from New York State. Never would have thought that. Never would have thought that. I'm glad to do it, amen. I'm glad to talk about Jesus with, with people and how Jesus applies to their lives and what the gospel can do if you follow it. I'm glad of it, but I never would have dreamed. I never would have dreamed it. Um, a lot of the older, as I mentioned, people who would have called on so-and-so, and now they're calling. I used to be the real young preacher. Now I'm middle-aged. Um, and just in a no time, Ruth, I'll be the old preacher. I'll be the old preacher. That's okay. That's okay. I read one time that uh, I think it was a, a minister from England. I think his name was Roland Hill, I think. And another minister said of him that he was teetering on the edge of the grave, still preaching the faithfulness of Christ. And I hope and pray that can be said of me. 
And I don't, I don't want it to, to my credit or say, well, no, for the glory of Jesus Christ, amen. Teetering on the edge of the grave, still preaching the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, he's been good, hasn't he? He's been good. He, I met him, he, thankfully, by his amazing grace, I got to know him as a little boy. And then throughout the years, I got to re-know him. And then throughout the years, I've known him in ways that I never would have dreamed I could know him. I've, I've, I've learned about him in suffering, haven't you? I've learned about him through self-denial. I've learned about him through repentance. I've learned about him through Scripture. I've learned about Jesus through your testimonies. I've learned about him, and I'm looking forward to learning about him even more. He is amazingly precious, amen? <laughs> there is none like him. None. I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I've picked up and dropped a lot of fads, a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests. I remember there's things I was on fire for, I was so interested in, and now you couldn't pay me to do it. I've been interested in this and interested in that. Even as a child, I was, I was obsessed with sports, and I was interested in this. There has been one constant, one steady constant, and I've described it to friends like this, I, in order I want to, I can't shake him. He has a hold on me. He is, he, I am a, you could say this too if you're a believer. We are his bondservant. We are, a, we are his purchased possession. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his. We belong to him. Um, as a believer, listen to me, you are, you are twice you are two times a child of God. You are a child of God by birth, born again, born again, and you're a child of God by adoption. You know that? You've been birthed into the family of God, and you've been adopted into the family of God. Have you, have you noticed that? It's in Scripture. It's amazing, isn't it? So when you, when you place faith on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are born of His Spirit, born of above, born of His Spirit. You are born again. But you also were adopted. So you were born of his spirit, and he also said he chose you. Do you know that? That's what adoption means. He could have picked a whole lot of other dirty cheeks, snotty nosed kids. He could have. He picked you. He said, I want you. So imagine, the Bible said we are orphans. We've been, we've been even, we're also adopted nationalistically. We've been grafted into the vine. But he said, I want you. You imagine all of us are lined up, and, and he called you. He adopted you. He adopted you. I think I've shared with you before, there was this little orphan boy, and he was so discouraged and disturbed because his family had given him up for adoption and didn't want him. He was tore up over it. That'd be hard to deal with if you knew that's what happened to you, wouldn't it? They, and they gave him up for adoption. And then finally, this young couple came to the orphanage, and, and they picked him they said, I want you to be my son. And they filled out the paperwork and they signed their name. And finally he had a last name. Finally he had a mom and a dad. Later on in his life, the little boy, he, as, as, as many do, many struggle with our identity, you know. But listen, if you're a Christian, your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's what you are. You are a Christian. Twice born. Twice in the family, rather. Twice in the family. And the young, the young son, by adoption, 
And aren't you glad that even today an adopted child has every single legal, natural binding that a, that a natural child does? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. If I adopted a son and I passed away and Brittany passed away, he would be the heir of all things, wouldn't he? He would, he would get everything that his parents got. But the little boy said, I, don't, I wish I knew. I, I don't know why my parents abandoned me. I don't know why they left me like this. It's disturbing. It's, it's frustrating. You know, you could imagine. And then finally the, little, the, the dad got on his knee and said, Son, here's the difference between you and all the other little children. He said that you, the other children, they, whatever child was born, that's what the parents got. Whatever ch- My mother was stuck with me, in other words. My mother was stuck with Sean. You pray for her. Stuck with Sean. I always think she had Sean, then she wanted to try again and have another. <laughs> Maybe get it right the second time. I'm just kidding. Or am I? <laughs> but the little boy said, I don't know my parents. I don't know why. And the father, the wise father said, all the other children are born and their parents, they were just stuck with whatever they got. And he said, the difference between you and them is, is me and your mom, we went and picked you. We chose you to be our son. You are a chosen people. A, 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 a royal priesthood. You've been called out. He said, come unto me. And if you believe on him, you trust in him, you'll be birthed into the family of God by faith through grace, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll also be adopted into his family. You're adopted. It's cool, ain't it? Amen. So I'm born again, as a believer, I'm born again, and there's also, there's also legal paperwork that says I belong to him, and you as a believer, you've been adopted into his family. That's amazing, isn't it? Safe and secure in the arms of Jesus Christ. While the devil, to take you out of his family, he'd have to go up to the, up, up past, up past, up past this dimension, and cross over into, into the realm of heaven. Walk through the gate of pearl without the angels doing something about it. The devil would have to go to the very throne of God. He'd have to go to the very lordship of Jesus Christ. Unto all powers been given unto him in heaven and earth. Who has the keys of hell and the grave. Who, has, who said it is finished. Who has bruised the serpent's head. Who has conquered it all. And the devil would have to, he would have to remove the Lord Jesus from his throne and destroy the Father. And he couldn't. He can't do it. No man can pluck you from your Father's hands. And Jesus said in John 10, I and my Father are one. Born again and adopted. Amen. That's good, isn't it? We need to think about these things, don't we? How did we get here, do you know? How did we end up here? We hadn't even read the text. Hey, the Lord's good, ain't he? The Lord's good. Let's turn to the book of Mark, of course. Mark chapter number 1. We might might just do verse 1 now. Some might think, wow, this is going to take a while. You don't like the Bible? You don't like the book of Mark? (laughs) Let's Let's not go too quick. We got time. We got time. All of eternity. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son 
of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your sweet spirit. Thank you, Lord, for worship. Thankful, Lord, that we can go to you in prayer. Many afflicted, many afflictions and burdens and heartaches here today. Some are here in our bodies. Some are represented here by us. And Lord, we're praying for these two children. And Lord, we're praying for your sweet mercy. Lord, we love you because of who you are and what you've done. I thank you, Lord, for that, by your spirit, that wonderful reminder of who we are. We are born into your family, and we are adopted children. Lord, we thank you so much for your amazing grace in our lives. Lord, we ask you to go with us because you said that you would. And Lord, we ask in confidence that you go with us and help us. And as we begin this journey through the book of Mark, Lord, however long we should remain, I pray, Lord, before we ever start, I pray, Jesus, that you... Lord, would so richly bless this preaching through the book of Mark. Lord, that you would anoint it and apply it to our lives and give us a hunger and a craving for it. That, Lord, we would hate to miss a message or one ounce of truth from it. Lord, I pray that this book would build up your kingdom and build up your church here. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. 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 Notice in the first verse, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning. There's, there's three beginnings in the Bible. There is, if you go to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning was the Word. That, that predates all of creation. That's... That is, from eternity past, in the beginning was the Word. So where did the Word come from? The Word was. The Word is. The Word in the beginning was the Word. And we, we, even it was quoted this morning, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is God, even from the book of 1 John. So in the beginning, so Mark says it, the beginning. So it reminds us. So in the beginning is God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. So, in the beginning, God. And then you get to Genesis chapter 1. So, so actually, it seems like John chapter 1 is after Genesis, but in the beginning was the Word. Then you go rewind to Genesis 1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So now we have two beginnings. We have in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning eternally God. It's not that God began. It's that God exists. That God is. So in the beginning, the Word, and then in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have an eternal, the eternal Godhead led us. We have the eternal Godhead who created the universe. And then the third is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Mark 1.1. 1, 1. So you have God, so you have God, so it's what is Scripture teaching? Just in this quick summary, you have God, then God did two things, essentially. God created the heavens and the earth, and then God also created the gospel, the redemptive power of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God does two works then in Scripture. God does what? God creates and God redeems. 
God creates and God saves. That's what God does. And you could sum up all of Scripture basically in that statement. That God is a creator God and God is a saving God. God creates and God saves. And God's Word does it all. His Word does both things. That God's, God spoke, God's Word went over the, the voidness of creation. And God's Word brought order. God's Word brought life. And you see the parallel in your life, in my life. That God's Word not only created the heavens and the earth, but it is the Word of God. God's second mighty work is the work of redemption. And it was God's Word who spoke over the, the, the disorder of your life. It was the Word of God that spoke in chaos and brought order to you. So God creates and God saves. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then the third time in the book of Mark chapter 1-1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now notice the gospel is attached to Jesus Christ. There is no gospel without Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if, if, it's, if, you could, I could, if I could rewind this morning's sermon, you would almost hear the same thing said, that if there is another gospel, it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, only the gospel of Jesus Christ redeems. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ saves. Any other gospel is a false gospel and let it be accursed. Let it be eternally damned. That's what Paul means by that. So there is one gospel, one good news, and Mark starts with that good news. So this then, Mark is saying, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this is the beginning, Mark says, of the story of God's redemptive work through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the gospel means good news. And the good news of Jesus Christ, and we know that, we know that by experience, don't we? But the gospel's good news to us, isn't it? It was good news when the Holy Spirit and the law of God convinced us, convicted us, and gripped our heart, and through grace, we, we through grace brought fear that we spurned the law of God. And we were, we were terrified of this situation. We were, we, were, we, were, we were petrified of the possibilities. We were under, as we, as we say, conviction, wasn't we? And it wasn't good news until first there was bad news. And the bad news is that all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. You listen, children, even you adults, that's bad news. Why is the gospel so good? Well, it's not good unless you first understand the bad news. It can never be good unless you first realize, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are a hell-bound, doomed, condemned sinner. You will bust hell wide open because you are guilty of sinning and breaking God's holy commandments. God is angry with you continually and daily, and your atrocities in the sight of God have so disgusted Him that you are not in a right relationship with Him anymore. That God abhors your sin and despises your sin and He rejects your sin. And you might say, well, well, that's my sin and that's me. The Scriptures never disassociate you from your sin. That you are responsible for your sin. And because you've sinned, you are doomed and you are destined apart from Christ and you are appointed 
to a devil's hell for all of eternity. That's the bad news. It's terrible news, isn't it? Some would say, well, I'm getting out of that. Not unless it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to avoid this, and I'm going to get out of this sermon maybe. There's no other way except through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was thinking at the graveside Friday, which is the answer to the graveside. Say amen. The gospel is. I was thinking at the graveside. Because I, I guess I just come back from vacation and I wouldn't have made it to Edisto Beach without Google Maps. But you can't Google Map your way to heaven. You know that? You can't. You can't type in Google Map and it show you the way. Unless it said, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way. You can't Google heaven and say, I'm going to head up there. You can't. There's only one way. And it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Mark, from the very beginning, from the onset, and if we're careful and we're looking at Scripture, the onset, and if we view it as Scripture, which is important, because if, if you don't see this as the Word of God, then this is, just, this is just words to you. If this isn't the Word of God, then this is, this is as, as informative to you as reading the newspaper. If you don't view this as the Word of God, or rather, should I say, if the Holy Spirit isn't convincing you that this is the Word of God, and if your ears aren't dull of hearing that this is God's Word, this is it, then this is actually irrelevant to you. And what, that's, what that means, I almost said suggests, I don't know it means this. It means then that you, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, are dead in trespasses and sins. It means the things of God to you are dead and dull and dreary. That you have no interest in them whatsoever. They, they never make you stumble. They never grip you. That God's Word never makes you, makes you think that you're dead to it. Dead people can't hear. Dead people can't react. Dead people can't respond. Dead people can't appreciate. Dead people can't fear. Dead people can't, re- can't, they can't react. And yet you should actually test yourself according to Scripture. If, if Scripture to you is just dull, dreary, or you're deaf to it, it means that you are dead. You are dead and you can't hear the voice of God. Because God speaks through His Word. His Word. So what needs to happen? Apart from the saving grace of God, you will never, ever awaken to it. And if you hear it, if you hear this tonight, and I did not expect Mark to start this way, but hey, we need to follow Jesus, amen? If, if, if you hear his voice tonight, if you hear him, if he speaks to you, if, if you hear his voice tonight, then you need to follow him. I mean, you need to respond. You need to go. You need to run. I mean, you need to, you need to literally drop everything. Just drop everything and run to Jesus. Don't, don't wait or hesitate. It needs to happen now. I mean, it must be done tonight. Because if God is speaking, then don't ignore it. It has to happen now. It has to happen tonight. I mean, it has to happen 
Do you get what I'm saying? Do you hear? It has to happen now. Who is, it's Him. It's Him. Well, who is Him? Thank you, Lord. What a segue. Who is Him? Mark says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only good news to those who hear it. But who is Him? Mark says, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So who, this good news is about who? It's about Jesus Christ. Well, who, who is He? He's the Son of God. And some might think, well, well, yeah, that's maybe, that's what all the Christians say. I'm a Son of God. But Jesus is the Son of God in a unique sense. Christians are son of God by birth. Christians are son of God because they're born into his family. Jesus being the son of God, that means that he is the unique son of God. Remember? It's not like someone who became a Christian. He is the unique, co-eternal, second person of the Godhead. He is God the Son and the Son of God. He is the unique, co-eternal Son of God. So who is Him? He is God. That's who He is. He's God. Look in the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 2. The angel is talking. He's talking to Mary. In Luke chapter number 2, verse 34, Mary asks a question. In Luke chapter number 2, verse... Excuse me, verse number, chapter number 1, verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Like, how can I be pregnant? I don't know a man. I'm a virgin. Verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, So who is him? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of of God. He is the Son of God and He is God the Son. In the sense, He is God in human form. It's not that God, that Jesus began at Bethlehem. It's that God in Jesus was born in, the, in a human at Bethlehem. It's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Jesus is the Son of God in the sense that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, was born of woman. Now He is the Son of God. So what, what is the implications of that? It means that God, literally, in the person of Jesus Christ, invaded His own creation. That God invaded His own creation. And God in, in the human form of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus who created the universe, Jesus the second person of the Godhead, Jesus the Son of God in the sense that God wrapped Himself in flesh, born of a woman, has came and spoke to us on our level as a man. Now God, who came as a man, is looking into mankind in their eyes as God, and now Jesus, the Son of God, through the Incarnation, who is co-eternal and co-existing, now God invaded His own creation, came in the form of human flesh, 
Jesus Christ thought it not right to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus, God himself, came through Mary, conceived of the Holy Ghost, and invaded his own people. And he looks his creation in the eye and he says, repent and believe the gospel. And we could go on, couldn't we? We could say that God in flesh, who is Jesus Christ, and he's not like, listen, please don't misunderstand. Jesus wasn't created. Jesus created. He wasn't created. Jesus is the creator. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't arch, the archangel's brother. Jesus wasn't born of a physical relationship through Mary as the Mormons teach. Jesus didn't become a God because he was perfect. No, Jesus is God. He is God. That's who Jesus is. That's what Mark's saying. He said, here's the good news. That the gospel of Jesus Christ, and don't think Mark's not getting somewhere here. What, what, what is happening here in verse 1, he wants us to know from this point on who, who he's talking about. He's God. Amen. He didn't become a God at the conception. He was God at conception. He didn't become a God at Bethlehem. He was God. He is the unique Son of God. Co-equal, co-eternal. You know what co-eternal means? That He is from eternity past. He is the Son of God. And no wonder He also He's the Son of Man. He is God in the sense He became man, but He's also Son of Man because we could say He's the Son of David and He is. He's the son of Mary. Mary's not co-eternal, co-equal. No, he is. He is. What is Mark saying? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the son of God. That's who he is. So the writer of Hebrews, no wonder he said in chapter 2, we need to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. So now that everything that Jesus says in the book of Mark is what? It is the words of God. Who is Jesus Christ? He's God. He didn't become a God. No, he is God. He's not not co-equal with the angels because the writer of Hebrews says that he became a little bit lower than the angels. A little lower. That means he was above them. Who is Jesus Christ? You know it about now, don't you? He's God. The eternal God. The I am of the Old Testament. I think you'd be unwise to go further tonight. Next Sunday night, we'll discuss through Scripture who is John the Baptist. But tonight is who is Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God. Of God. In verse 1, packed, amazing, with soul gripping, consequential truth. I think it was perfect tonight that Nancy sung that song. I know a man who can. Some call him Savior, the Redeemer of all men. But I call him Jesus, for he's my dearest friend. Are you suggesting then that Christians are friends with God? Abraham, by faith, was a friend of God. And are you not daughters and sons of Abraham through faith? 
Aren't you glad that you can say that Jesus is your friend? Your friend? You are now, you've been reconciled to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does reconcile mean? It means there once were two parties that didn't agree with each other and you've been made nigh by the blood of Christ, the book of Ephesians, and you who were in disagreement, now you're friends. I'm glad to say that not only is Jesus the Son of God, but listen carefully, God is my friend. And I can't believe it. Can you? As a believer, God is your friend. Can you come to terms with this? I know, I, what does Proverbs say? I have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Sean, I'm sorry, you can't go where Jesus can go. He can't. I, I don't even be, I'm not even being silly. Jesus can do for me far more than my own flesh and blood brother can do. I got a friend in Jesus. <laughs> a friend. No wonder he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, let's go a little further, and I'm about through. You are, you are, you are his son by birth. You are his son by adoption. And Jesus is also your friend. Your friend. Hey, you should rejoice that you're a Christian. If God be for us, then who can be against us? What is Mark saying? This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. If, if it's not that, then we have no salvation. So the, that has to be established. And Mark starts with the most obvious truth of all. Who is this man? Who is Christ? Whose son is he? He is the son of God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. What song, Bryson? Page number 330.